You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am here for deep soul level conversations and connections about spirituality to step into a deeper understanding of what lies on the other side of the veil. As a social impact entrepreneur, founder of the Moon Temple Mystery School, high priestess, and ritualist, I am shining a light on walking the awakening path and how it weaves into our daily lives. I invite you to take a deep breath, leave what you know at the door, and step into the mysteries with me. Welcome back to another episode of Grit and Grace. And we are very fortunate today to have a returning guest. Today we have Dr. Francis Yahia back with us today. And I have to tell you that if you have not listened to our first introduction, which was called The Spiritual Ladder, our first show, you need to go and listen to that first because there are so many foundational pieces to the work that she does as an archetypal astrologer. And she is so she is so knowledgeable in many fields that I wanted to bring her back so we could go into some very important additional topics. And I'm going to call this the hidden truths, because there are so many hidden truths that we may not be aware of that can impact not just our lives, our businesses, our mental health, our physical health, but For those of you listening to the show, you know, we talk a lot about rituals and alignment and how we work on shifting consciousness in order to co-create the reality of what we desire in our life. And there are facets to that that we can work with that are already here, like universal laws, hidden truths, spiritual truths. And we're going to go into all of that today. So we are welcoming back Dr. Yahya. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This is so exciting. I get such this a like my favorite stuff to talk I know, about. And I get <laughs> I, I get these little like energetic um like excitement bubbles through my body when we're gonna have these conversations because I feel like I'm just we're talking my language and I get so excited. Absolutely, absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So we're gonna go really deep today and we're gonna cover a lot. I just wanna start off by saying everything. The resources that we talk about, everything's for free, available as a workbook or a video resource. So don't get overwhelmed because I have so much information for you on any little piece of your takeaway today. So no matter what, what you take away, if it's all of it or just one piece resonates... There's so much more where that comes from. So let's invite listeners then to actually just listen, like just take a moment to listen, let your body absorb what you're hearing, and then just know that we always put all this information in the show notes. They can find everything that they need that you reference, the additional materials. And let's also mention that this is a two-part series. And so this is part one that you're listening to. There will be part two coming out. So if you're listening to this later, you can go look for part two, or if you're listening to this as it's coming out, because I know many of you are excited then wait for part two, because it's going to be just as amazing. Awesome. So I'd like to actually start with the structure of the universe, then go into the universal laws, eight specific laws that dictate everything in the universe, and then segue into the 12 truths of any spiritual path and dabble in with some mythology and spiritual practices that you may already be involved in. And if not, then I'll give some suggestions to add on to your already existing practice. So that's sort of how I'd like to set up the the two levels or the two episodes. So let's start with the structure of the universe. The universe has seven planes. 
As human beings, we are only allowed access to four. Okay. Why is that? Okay. Good question. (laughs) Because of the density of our body. So in our previous conversation, we talked about the four elements, Mm -hmm. air, fire, earth, and water. The Akash is the ether or what we all know as the universe. So when we talk about chaos or universal consciousness or the Akashic records or even string theory and physics, what we're talking about is linked to a universal law. But that energy field that has been now been proven by science, it exists pervades and covers everything. However, as humans, we can only access four of those seven planes, even though all seven are covered within that energy field. Because we are made mainly of earth and water and then fire and air. And so the Akash is a very small piece of our makeup, the sort of space between Mm. the cells and so forth. And so the highest vibration that as humans we can reach is the Akashic records. That's why when people start intuition development, and that's one of the truths, truth four, I always recommend the Akashic records. I call it the peer-reviewed journal of all of the psychic or spiritual techniques, Mm. intuition tools, because it's going to the root and the source. So from there, all other things, whether it's psychic mediumship, or using a pendulum or tarot, all of it comes from the source of the Akashic Records because that's the highest plane we can access. And I just want to so I want to pause for a minute there because I think sure. what you just said is really important. So all of the divination tools we use, all of the work we do to get to that Akash plane, it's all it's all the same. Like we can use different methods, different tools, but we're going into the same plane. It starts from the Akash and trickles down. Okay. So it all starts at that Akashic level. And then from there, all these other tools, all the other divination tools have come from that source. So when you access the Akashic records or the Akashic plane, you're actually at the sort of foundation for all of the other divination techniques. Gotcha. I understand. I followed you there. When we get to truth four, the truth of instinct, intellect, and intuition. I'm going to go a little bit more into intuition because intuition is not spirituality and it's important. And we're going to talk about the quality of our thoughts when we get to that. So what happens? We could access the Akashic level. Now, ancestors, ascended masters, guides, they can meet us at the Akashic plane. They come from the higher planes of the universe. And if you've ever channeled some of these really high vibrational beings, you know, it's kind of like a tickle or cold rush through your body because they have a lighter density. They quickly enter our body, they visit, and then they go right back up to their their plane. Same thing happens when we're channeling ancestors. I could tell if somebody has died and moved into the astral plane or the lower mental or higher mental plane simply by the vibration that I feel in my body. But the Akashic is the highest plane that we as humans can achieve because of the five element structure in our own body. Really interesting. Um, As someone who channels regularly, I have a very distinct feeling in my body when there are different um, 
allies that have come through me. And I never really think about it as them meeting me. I see it as me opening up to receive them, but that's, I understand the way that you're saying that. There are some really fabulous channelers out there right now that are channeling um, a lot of different, I don't even know the words, um, like when they're channeling the Palladians or the light codes that are coming Mm -hmm. through. I mean, we have so many people activated on the planet doing this work right now, which we do in the Moon Temple Mystery School. We teach a lot of that, and some of those teachers come in there. But I really like how you say they meet you, okay, because that's, that's, that's us doing the work to hollow our bone to get to a place to be able to meet them. And the importance of that is we need to be fully embodied in order to reach those higher planes of the universe. That's what I call the mystic or the shaman, people that walk between the worlds, You have to be fully grounded in the earth element or your earthly structure, your body, so that you can get to the highest planes. So this idea that being dissociated or being out of the body makes you a better channel is something that we really need to address Mm -hmm. in this field of ours Mm -hmm. because it's a a misnomer. It's not true. And so Mm -hmm. the more embodied our practices, the actual better vibration, higher vibration, can reach us. So it's very, very important. We're like the mystic in the middle, right between heaven and earth. And when we occupy that space, then we can access those higher dimensions through our body. That's why I say they meet us because we're limited in our density. You just you just basically dispelled half of what I think a lot of spiritual teachers and coaches that are doing in our field that you and I also do is to not address the fact of how important it is to become embodied, like to to be connected to our body. You know, this this high level ascension on its own is is it's actually just not a truth. But I'm sure we're going to talk about that when we get there. So keep yeah. going. <laughs> It's definitely not a truth. And we'll talk about that in one of the 12 truths. So that's sort of the the organization, if you will, of the universe. Now, we're going to go into the eight universal laws. What's difficult for humans, just because of the way our mind is set up, the universe is cyclical and spherical. It is not hierarchical. So in the other episode, you called it the spiritual ladder. I talked about the spiritual adulting brain map, brain map. Because we can't understand the magnitude of all of this, Mm -hmm. which brings me to the first law. The first law is the principle of mentalism. In a nutshell, all is mind. Everything that you observe that you see in this world, with shamans, we call it dream or dream weaving, is mental. It's a mental process created from your mind your subconscious mind, your limiting beliefs in your mind, the inherited mind you got at conception. It's not really true. It's all perception. Mm. So this law is specifically linked to the highest plane of the universe called the monad. So imagine circular, spherical. It's very hard for us to grasp that. So I'm just going to kind of put that as an overlay, and then we can kind of structure the other laws within that energetic overlay, if you will. Okay. Okay. So everything is mental. Everything boils down to the mind, mainly the subconscious mind. So that's why I spend so much time writing and education, educating about the subconscious mind. 
So the second law, and many people know this law, but I cannot tell you, I live my life with this next law. It's the principle of correspondence. The principle of correspondence we all know is as within, so without, as above, so below. So many times in mythology, for instance, Isis wears a veil in Egyptian mythology, or Moses saw the burning bush, he couldn't see God's face when he got the commandments. That's how we feel. We're like, is there a God? Why can't I access more of the universe? Or why isn't God answering my prayers? Whatever language you, you like. This law is actually a trick to that veil. We are all veiled. We're veiled because of the density of our human form. This law is the trick. So you can't look at the sun directly at the sun because it'll, it'll sort of blind you. So this law is the ability to see everything that is in your mind, everything that is happening in your psychic structure by view of other people as within, so without. Hmm. This law, more than any other law, can really be the way we raise the vibration of the planet and change the world. And I've created this thing called a personal TED Talk Basically, three questions when any situation arises. But in a nutshell, the second part of the, the second question of the three is what don't I like about person, place, thing, or situation that you're judging at that moment? When you identify that you don't like something about someone, the next logical question is where have I had that in the past, currently do that, or in the future, I'm capable of doing that? The answer is always going to be 100%. You are exactly like that person, place, thing, or situation that you are judging. Woo. Woo. You, <laughs> you also just brought up the core principle of addressing your shadows. Like we talk so much in, in today's society about shadow work, but it's, it, it is exactly what you've just described. So <laughs> giving a real world example, because I like to use myself as an example, um, there is someone that I see regularly at the gym that I go to. And I recognize, of course, because I am aware of this, I am aware of this um, universal law and I, I live this through myself. There's someone I come across regularly that drives me bonkers. Like there's just a feeling in me, drives me bonkers. And I, I, I can see, I almost can witness myself getting driven bonkers by it and look and say, oh, that's me. What about that particular person is within me that I haven't addressed yet because it's triggering so much. I almost just swore that I was going to say triggering as fuck and I just said it. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and that mirroring, that reflector, I mean, you're, you're talking super, super, super important work. This is huge. I have a statement. Judgments are confessions and they're great. <laughs> okay. This idea of not judging is absolute nonsense. You see, so I started out with post-it note spirituality and I gave a lecture that then, then became my Hidden Truths book, whereas the eight laws of the universe and how they can work for you. And then I had to move it to sticky note spirituality because post-it note is trademark. So in the world of sticky note spirituality that we're sort of confronted with on a regular basis, we really have to get back to the earthly consciousness that we are born with low level consciousness 
We are in a body. We come to raise our vibration and we raise our consciousness. There is no way to possibly do that without those first two laws. Mm. Everything is mental. It is all mind. It is all happening in here, up here. And what you're experiencing in your world is simply a projection of your own limiting beliefs and your own shadow aspects. Mm -hmm. And that second law of correspondence and why judgments are confessions and they're great is that we all have a low level consciousness. We all have a shadow aspect. Those are linked to the deadly sins or the vices or the shadripus or the thieves. Every religion calls it one of those names. We all have those aspects. This is where knowledge of archetypes is very powerful. So would you mind telling me in just like a sentence what you don't like about that person at the gym? A very attention getting, right? I'm I'm there to like get my work done and it's it's distracting. I can see her like in this very attention getting behavior regularly. And what I what I feel is like, don't you know that you don't need outside validation, that you're already fabulous? And what triggers me is that she doesn't see it in herself. Okay. That she's that she's already amazing. She doesn't need the external validation for that. Okay. So the way we use this law, and since you've opened yourself mm-hmm. up, <laughs> I'm going to jump right in. As I do. <laughs> so when you judge uh, the attention-seeking behavior from an archetypal standpoint, element of fire, which we already established, you have a ton of. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's something there. And it's the archetype of the sun or the god Apollo which is what I said directly before, you can't look at the sun directly. And so there is still some sort of validation need or attention seeking need that your inner child is requesting from you to her. Mm. And the deadly sin or the thief or the vice that that's linked to is pride. And so what I invite clients to do when we identify that step, when they judge, for instance, a pride um, vice, is what were you taught in childhood about pride? What were you taught about humility? Mm -hmm. There has to be a teaching that mom and dad said, we're humble, let's say, in a commune like you were born. It's about the unit. It's about the group. But here you are with a lot of fire. And obviously you want some attention for you as an individual, especially with the chart that you have. And there's an incongruence in your psyche. This is where I ask clients to find the incongruence in the story. What did your parents say? Do as I say, not as I do. So you're judging your pride and perhaps your attention-seeking needs because mom and dad sort of planted a seed. No, we do the group communal humble thing. But you saw something in your psyche that that was not always the truth that they lived. Mm. And you're trying to reconcile that incongruence through that judgment to that person at the gym. So judgments are confessions and they're great because they bring you to the true you, what your inner child really wants and needs, and to discover the incongruence in the child story so you can move into spiritual adulting. I love it. I love how you just broke that down. I love it. I love it. 
I, I, I knew that there was a lot in there for me to think about um, and express love for myself for experiencing it. And like, I always have this gratitude that, oh, wow, look what I'm learning in this moment. <laughs> look what I'm learning <laughs> in this experience. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down. That's a beautiful, practical, real life example that we all experience. Like we, we are definitely triggered by other people for a variety of reasons, but it happens to us all the time. Absolutely. So I have this activity I do with clients called the sphere of consciousness worksheet. And basically when you allow law one principle of mentalism, all is mind, you created it. When you allow it to enter your sphere of consciousness, for instance, the situation at the gym, you created that so that you could use the second law, which is to identify what you need to learn with it. What's inside that you're unable to see that you need the veil removed So you could see it through this person. When we start living in higher states of consciousness and we start realizing that everyone's a mirror, then you could really live in gratitude because no one is doing anything to you. You've created it so that you can learn something. Now that person is you, you are them. That's not till truth 11, truth of service and truth 12, truth of unity, but we're in the direction of getting there with this particular law. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. It is very difficult that everything that enters into your sphere of consciousness, you take personal responsibility for, that you look at as something of your own shadow or blemish, what I call your bad bucket values. That's exhausting. Yeah, I can, <laughs> it's Im- exhausting, I can imagine you know? the people that are listening are like, oh, no, no, no. I did not bring that experience into my reality. That can't be, that cannot be the case. And, and, and I won't go down the rabbit holes of, of that, but I, I just invite everybody to take a deep breath. Stay with us. There's more to this. Stay with this us. This is how you really become the mystic or the shaman or live in that um, sort of universal consciousness and earthly consciousness at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's with that experience. This is not to minimize anybody's earthly story. Mm-hmm. Your trauma, your story is legit and valuable. However, in shamanism, we say shamans don't manage symptoms. So we don't stay in the victimhood of the story. We use it to identify using this law what I need to learn from that story, what I created in that story for me to grow and raise vibration, which is the next law. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to say, I have this book coming out later this year, The Hidden Truths, The Eight Universal Laws of the Universe and How They Can Work for You. However, the first seven of these laws are in a small little free PDF online called The Kabbalion by the Three Initiates. The eighth law, the law of octaves, was resuscitated and revived by Armenian philosopher Gurdjieff. And all eight will be in this book, but this stuff is available for free online, just so you know, it's all out there. PDF, Kabbalion online, you could get seven of the eight laws. Mm, Amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. So I just tie them in in my book. Besides making them like we're talking about today, sort of modern day language, I also use these sticky note spirituality buzzwords like co-create, abundance, manifest, and break them down in relationship to the law so that you know the origin of that new age language and you could go to the source. So the third law is the law or the principle of vibration. And this is that everything vibrates. 
So we believe this. We understand that everything has a frequency or a vibration. The vibration has one or two sort of polarities, which is sort of tied in with the law of polarity, which is number four, air, earth, fire, or water. So fire and air are masculine polarities. They're represented, if you've ever seen the structure of the chakras, every triangle that is upward, pointing upward, is linked to a higher vibration or a masculine polarity. The triangles that are pointed downwards are linked to the feminine, the earth and the water polarity. So it's important that we understand our structure so we can understand when we're talking about vibration, what we're talking about. We need both. And we'll see this at law seven, the law of gender. Mm -hmm. So this is really about understanding our vibration. Where do we get our vibration from? Such a good question. The moment of conception. So is this related to in the last episode that we did when we talked about the amount of elements I have in my chart? So, you know, if anybody listened to it, you know that I am, <laughs> I have a lot, a lot of, of and, and, and a lot of masculine. I have like one, Absolutely. one element in the feminine and it is me to a T. <laughs> I, I am aware that um, my staff, part of my team that listened to your show before it was published, the first one, they're like, uh, she nailed you to a T. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> That's the power of working with Dr. Yahya. <laughs> so let's talk about the moment of conception. Now, all of these laws, and remember, there is no hierarchy. It's all universal and cyclical. So they're all sort of woven together. So it's not like we can just like box them. And so we'll weave them together. So this one, of course, is linked to the law of polarity, which will be next. But let's talk about, and we'll talk about cause and effects uh, law six, which is karma. So when you are conceived, you do not pick your parents physically. What you're picking is a vibration. Where does this vibration come from? This is important. This is karma or cause and effect. There are three kinds of karma. There's a big garbage bag full of karma that's called Sanchitta karma. That's from all of your past lives. Mm-hmm. In this lifetime, okay, this is where the Greek mythology of the fates come into play. The fates are known to weave your fate in this lifetime. Fate is simply the karma, the one karmic thread. There is only one, one karmic thread that is woven into everything in this lifetime. Everything you experience, every story can be broken down to this one vibration or this one karma, which is called Prabha karma. So when you see the fates in mythology, Clotho, which is the first fate, is like weaving your destiny. It's woven into every story, every relationship, your chart, your element, everything. Mm -hmm. That's it. You're just one. One ingredient that you bring to the world to nurture this world with your one ingredient. And you get that at the moment of conception. Every single one of us, does not matter A to Z, is born in a low-level vibration or low-level consciousness. Why? Because the purpose of your lifetime is to raise your vibration, raise your consciousness, transmute 
consciousness, which is the law of octaves that we'll talk about how. That's the only law that explains how to do so. And that's the last law. So we have to understand that we're all born with a low level vibration linked to karma from a previous lifetime. This does not mean that your karma is better or worse than another. That is not at all what I'm saying in the earthly world. I'm saying from this sort of garbage bag of Sanchita karma, one thread is pulled. And in this one, that's how you're living out your karmic baggage. Okay. So we all have this low level vibration that we inherit at the moment of conception. This is where, and we talked a little bit about this with your, with your cancer ascendant the other day, the, the manger, the, the symbolism of the manger in the Christian story is a Latin word that means praesipi, that comes from the cancer constellation. All of us have a moon, moon ruled cancer. The moon matrix that you were born into, what you learned in the womb, fortifies, strengthens that one ingredient, that one thread, that one low vibration. Hmm. We are here to not live our moon sign. That's a trick. That's low vibration. We're here to turn into our sun sign, be the solar energy, and that's the raising of the vibration. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's super important that we understand that most of us, again, principle of mentalism, the matrix or the, the perception that we see the world is through our moon. And it's a trick. It is linked to low level consciousness, what Jesus called the wide door in the Sermon on the Mount. And what we actually want to do is go through the narrow door, which is our own individual path not the mass consciousness of where all the sheep are sort of being pushed through the wide door. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm following. I'm just following. Okay. Yep. All, all, all of that makes a ton of sense to okay. me because we, so, and we hear that word like sheeple a lot, especially in the last two years, yeah. we're hearing this, like people understanding that they are caught up in something collectively and they don't know if it fits. So that narrow door is you talking about that individual path, purpose, thread that we come here with. Yes. Now that's truth five. And then truth 11 is when we get back in the herd. Okay. But first, before you identify that group mentality that you are indeed here to serve in truth 11, truth of service, you need to do the truth of ego and individuation, which is truth five. And we'll get to that. Okay, keep going. So, so we're in, on law of vibration still, like understanding how yeah. that goes. Yes. And this one perplexes people, bothers people, depending on the quality of parental guidance that you had. The reality is that at the subconscious level, principle of mentalism, your psyche is at the same vibration as that parental structure. That is what you inherited at the moment of conception. The father of family constellations, Bert Hellinger, he says that your parents gave you life and that's enough. I actually changed that up a bit. Your parents gave you one thought, one emotion, one desire, that's all vibration, and one level of consciousness, and that's enough. Right at the moment of birth, you have been given everything you need to follow your path 
and contribute to this society in your divinity through your humanity. They gave you through the vibration, the thought, the emotion, the desire, and the consciousness level or vibration level that you needed to do what you came to do. So we get very, very caught up, as I did, with our parents and what they did or did not do. Mm-hmm. That is your earthly story, and there is value in that. Please, I I work with people day in, day out, working with that story. But instead of victimizing and hurting themselves to grow and heal themselves mm-hmm. through the same story. So this is by no means to minimize that some people came from pretty shattered snow globes as a childhood, but let's use that to move ourselves forward and raise our vibration and not stay in the low level vibration that we sort of inherited at conception. And although we know that everyone is living out the same sort of structure of archetypes, which we talked about in the last episode, your path to that is unique. Your path to that Absolutely. is entirely unique. Yeah. So I have a, um, a book coming out called The Shadow Side of the Mother's Love, and it's linked to generational trauma in your moon sign because you do inherit what I call a trauma code mm. through that moon sign. And that is linked directly to the vibration. And so the way that you come, that one ingredient, and the moon is also a play on food and nourishment, that you nourish yourself and you nourish others, which is part of your your path here to give back, is indeed by identifying that low-level consciousness and what you inherited and finding that one ingredient, what I call the stone soup ceremony that I do with clients. It's in my Witch Bitch book. That stone soup assignment or ceremony shows you through your early years, that traumatic story, what your exact ingredient is that you came to live out. Only you could do it your way based on your story. Mm -hmm. That's how we heal the past trauma and even reverse it, even if you've already had children. Which is what I love about the work that you do, because you recognize that, um, especially in your field, that traditional talk therapy doesn't always go to those levels. Yeah. I was actually listening to a pioneer in the field, um, Kenneman, and he did a research, you know, um, cognitive behavioral therapy has become very popular now, this empirically um, evidence-based therapy, eight, 12 sessions of talk therapy. And they know, they have research that shows it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. If you do not do shadow work, and that is psychodynamic theory, although it starts from zero to seven, and my models start from conception, at least they're trying to go to the depths, you know, what Freud sort of um, designed as an iceberg to the, to that subconscious or or pre-conscious or unconscious level that the law of correspondence is there to help us with. If you don't go to the levels of that that deep in depth psychology, the healing and studies show this with CBT that after eight to 12 weeks of that talk therapy, people actually go back to another therapist for that same exact problem. But something we see in generational trauma is we get re traumatized. Mm-hmm. We get re traumatized with all of these treatment modalities that don't work. Mm-hmm. 
And so this is the only one that really, really works going to the depth, going to the root. And that's why my model starts at the moment of conception, whether you know your story or not of the moment of conception, you are living that story out to a T. Because in my model, every person, place, thing, or situation is your mother or your father represented. And the only other two people that were there at the moment of conception, mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And so we are constantly reliving our conception story in every situation that we create in our life that's con- that's conflict-based. And this is why I feel like this is so important because you are talking about the embodiment practices. We're talking about vibration. We're talking about mentalism. We're talking about all of these little ingredients that form this experience that we're having. And it's and, and the reason why I brought up traditional talk therapy is because that is not the way to do shadow work. And I'm just I'm, I'm going to stand by that. You know, I'm a, I'm a psychology major. I have, you know, I've been down these roots and you, of course, know this as well. So that is, that is a really important way for us to continue to explore these universal laws. There was actually an article in Psychology Today several months ago stating that some therapists coddle their clients and they don't help them go to sort of these dark recesses of the mind to get real healing. And I definitely believe that there is a space and a time for grief and holding space for people when they are in severe grief. But most clients that show up need this level of shadow work to really reach the heights of these tag words. We love to say self-love and self-compassion and self-forgiveness. You cannot achieve that if you do not go into that shadow and own your shadow and love yourself despite the shadow. Mm-hmm. That's why the, the for me personally, the principle of correspondence saved my life. And I live by that law. I hate to say 24-7, but I'm a little obsessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a little more probably than I should, but obsessively. Because I need to know what is sh- what I am creating that's showing up in my sphere of consciousness linked to which of the thieves or the vices so I know what to work on next. And I work with, with clients that I call a, a spiritual or a personal TED Talk. Then we do a spiritual STD and then we do a spiritual striptease. Mm-hmm. And when we get to the spiritual mm-hmm. striptease, we're actually removing the veils We're removing the deceit, the pride, the narcissism, the envy, the lust. And you start to identify immediately that situation in the gym. Let's say it goes away. You resolve your pride. Well, the next day, someone might come in that you judge their outfit and it's talking about your lust. And three days later, you might get envy. And four days later, you might see a sloth. And you start to identify that you're doing the striptease, removing the veils based on what situations you allow to enter your consciousness. That striptease is phenomenal. And once you've put all those veils out on the table and you are what we call nuda veritas, the naked truth, now there's not what I call fofo, fear of being found out, because you have already found yourself out. Mm -hmm. Now 
go out into the world, you know your low vibration, you know your shadow. Is someone really going to tell me something I haven't figured out about myself? I mean, seriously, like, yeah, I do that. I, I love it. I love it. It's like that, the end Very of, liberating. it's the end of that eight mile movie with Eminem where he does the rap where he's like, yes, I am this, 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 this. You can't tell me anything. I am, I am not That's already exactly aware right. of. Yes. Yeah. And it's so liberating. And if I do hear something that I'm not quite sure of, I'll be like, thank you. I'm going to go look at that. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put that into my law of correspondence, my sphere of consciousness worksheet. And you know that I'm going to look at that because that's a gift. And it's a very different way when you live in the world, owning your shadow, when you're trying to hide your shadow, which is the next the next one. And I just want to say before you go on that this is an ever evolving path for all of us. And one thing that I really, I think is really important, and I, I just recorded a video on TikTok about this just, just today, actually, around this idea that um, when witches or mystics step offline or are not available for certain work or spiritual leaders are, you know, in the midst of their own practices, it's because they're doing the work on themselves. So you and I, to show up in the worlds that we do, to coach and teach in the way that we do, means that we are also doing this work constantly, continuously, and it's a practice of ensuring that we are you know, evaluating our own fields all the time. And the reason why I recorded a video about that today is because a lot of times when People do a lot of public work as you and I do, and there are quiet moments. I want to remind people that if you want us to show up as the leaders, the teachers, you know, the, the wisdom keepers that we are, allow us that space and understanding that we are also doing the work. Absolutely. And I'll genuinely contact a client and say, I'm having a bit of a personal crisis today. Can we reschedule for tomorrow? Um, and I have never encountered anyone who isn't like, absolutely, take a day. And creating that space for ourselves, which then allows others to just openly say, you know, I'm having a bad day or a bad week, is very important. I went through a severe three-year depression. I had cancer for five years. Within that time, I lost absolutely everything. My husband left. I lost my house, my hair, my everything. And I went into a severe three-year depression. And I would go to work. I was teaching at a local university at the time. And I had a very dear friend who really held space for me and another gentleman. And every morning in the break room, he'd be like, how are you doing, Francis? And there were some really bad things I said sometimes. And he was like, I get it. And he held that space. And when I got out of the depression, what I learned through that experience is if we can just allow people to have bad days, even months and years, and not judge, then we're creating safe containers. We don't have to go into illness, which currently and, and sociologically, there's something called the sick role, that we have to get sick as a permissible reason for society to, you know, take mm. a day or a year or a mm. month off. Mm. So by us taking our days and, and being completely honest, we're letting others know, oh, I'm entitled to do that mm -hmm. too. 
And I believe it's important for people that are leading coaching or working in this field to be that example, to live that example. So I love that you shared that you, sh- you move appointments and you acknowledge the time that you were depressed and what you went through. And we're so glad that you're here sharing your, your magic. Thank you. And that actually links back to truth three. Truth three, it's emotions, but it also has to do with the type of spiritual teacher on your path. In mythology, there are two types of spiritual teachers. There are the nereuses that just give you a nudge in the right direction. They're walking right beside you. They're doing their work day in and day out by, by your side. And then there are the busirises. The busirises promise you the moon and the stars And they actually take everything from you. I unfortunately had too many of those with the Mm -hmm. cult leader and other leaders after that. And I tell my clients, I am right beside you. I am doing the exact same work. I've just studied 30 plus years and I maybe understand one little drop more. That's it. Like, I don't pretend to have anything figured out. I am walking this walk right by your side. And with the principle of correspondence and understanding that everyone's a mirror and that my judgments are just confessions, it really keeps me in the humanity and in my body that there is always a low-level consciousness to keep refining and refining. My first book is actually called The Seven Gates, and I talk about how each gate has seven gates within them. And we see this repeated in mythology, in cosmology, how there's seven planes and seven planes within the planes. And... Everything is a refinement and an alchemical process over and over and over. So if someone ever tells you that's a spiritual teacher, that they have no ego or they've already done that, run. Mm -hmm. Because no one has ever completed the process. Mm -hmm. This is an alchemy to the day we take our last breath. Wow. I am going to, on that note, take a pause here. <laughs> and okay. we we have covered the first three universal laws, the principle of mentalism, the principle of correspondence, and the law of vibration. And this is par- the ending of part one with Dr. Francis Yahia. And check us out for part two. We will start with the law of polarity, and then we will move into the hidden the hidden truths. And if you haven't read any of Dr. Yahia's books or watched any of her videos, we are going to give you every single link you could possibly want in the show (laughs) notes because there is a wealth of information here. So stay with us. We will be back for part two. Thank you for joining us today. On any of your favorite listening apps, we would really appreciate a rating and review. And if you're looking for more information, make sure that you go to moontempleschool.com and you can find us there.